Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to a, another grand and glorious day here in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We're going to spend a couple hours today engaging in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics. We'll talk a little bit about the natural world around us and the beauty of it. We will chat about, you know, uh, patio furniture, perhaps, that's on the agenda. More on that a little bit later. Uh, Uber producer Dan Peters, unfortunately, unfortunately, is not here today. So this is a solo show. I'm on my own, without a net. Ah, It's not that big a deal. Thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio at Information 1000 KSO. Maybe you're out cruising around on this beautiful, beautiful Tuesday afternoon. And it is lovely out, isn't it? Uh, We've had uh, a lot of rain, so it's kind of moist. There's a moistness to everything as uh, as the water is evaporated into the atmosphere. But it feels good. Feels good. Rode my bike today. Feels good. Of course, you might be listening on KSO.com, which you can always do if you're trapped in some cubicle farm somewhere. You know, feel bad for you, but you can get that earbud in there and act like you're working when you're really just listening to the Patrick Lally show right here at KSO.com or maybe on the KSO mobile app, which I recommend. Uh, and this is a heartfelt recommendation from me, people. You know, I... I, I only endorse the products I use, right? <laughs> and one of them is the KSOO mobile app where you can get one touch just right on your screen there, streaming. And then you can get the show anywhere. And uh, also the news and updates, weather and the like from the staff here at Results Radio. Uh, and always on the Facebook Live as much as we possibly can when we have a good signal. And I got one today, baby. We are streaming live and a special thanks, a very special shout out to uh, the Patrick Lally Show IT department, remote ID, IT department down there in beautiful Vermilion, South Dakota, home of the Fighting Coyotes, University of South Dakota. Uh, uh, BB, Bike and Brady, uh, showed me how to uh, Facebook Live without having the reversed image, which, you know, seems like it should be a simple thing, right? It's just Facebook. But today, for the first time in the history of the Patrick Lally Show, if you're watching on Facebook Live, it is in fact a true and accurate representation of the direction I am facing. And uh, KSO uh, uh, looks like KSO and not as it was pointed out to me yesterday by another member of our IT department down there in Vermilion. uh, uh, Ooks or Oosk. (laughs) It's not O-O-S-K. It's KSOO. So that's pretty cool. I feel pretty good about that. I feel like we've accomplished something today, people, on our Facebook Live feed. And uh, as always, you can get in there and chat with me or give me instructions as uh, Biking Brady did today, which is uh, highly appreciated. Uh, Also, the Twitter account. Now, when Dan's not here, I'm just going to, I'm not going to try and sugarcoat this at all. When Dan's not here, uh, there's very little tweeting going on because I'm running the show. You know what I'm saying? Now I check it from time to time. So if you have a question, comment, concern, you can throw us something there at P Lally show. And, uh, I try and pick up on that and answer it. 
But, you know, I'll get back to you at some point. Uh, but you just should follow along anyway because we post in there uh, updates and photos and uh, resources, links, that kind of thing when you need to get them. So be sure to get on our Twitter account. So uh, today, yeah, I told you I rode my bike because it's beautiful out. Um, and so I'm having, a, I'm having a good day. I want to remind you of something that's coming up uh, because this has to do with, again, the natural world that we all love. And that is the uh, downtown Big Sioux River cleanup. My friends at the Friends of the Big Sioux River, the f- a fine organization by any measure, Friends of the Big Sioux River, they are uh, getting the word out. They're trying to get people down for the big Sioux River cleanup downtown. That is June 28. Let's see, the 30th is a Saturday. Do take Thursday. I believe that's a Thursday. Is that this week? Wait, let me look. Yes, this Thursday from 3 to 5 p.m., uh, right by the Raven Industries Amphitheater. Of course, that's right between 6th and 8th Streets on the Big Sioux River. And uh, 3 to 5, they'll be down there cleaning up. So it's a part of the Downtown Sioux Falls Downtown River Greenway cleanup event. All necessary equipment, including trash bags and gloves, will be provided. Get out and soak up the summer sunshine so everyone can enjoy a clean and beautiful downtown atmosphere. Now, that's good community, and I'm going to be talking about that in a little bit, but that's just high-quality community action right there. Get together, clean up the river, because the river is the, is, the, is the crown jewel of our city, and uh, we need to do everything we can to keep it clean, because it gets some junk in it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the wind comes up, blows junk in it, it floats down the river. Uh, I was going by there the other day, saw like, a couple of those, uh, three, probably three or four of those uh, five-gallon buckets all stuck together, floating down the river like a big white log coming down. That's not good. That's going to go over the falls. It might hurt somebody. So get down there and clean the place up, people. And, and you know, that's true every day. Just when you're out and about, you're on the bike trail, what have you, you're out for your walk, you're walking your dog, uh, you're over at the dog park, uh, maybe you're over at uh, Sertoma, you know, playing with the kiddos with the big, uh, uh, the whole... Uh, uh, huge uh, equipment they got over there. You're doing all those kinds of things. You see a little wrapper. You see something that will blow in the river. Pick it up. Pick it up. Throw it away. That's community, people. That's what we're here for. Um, I did, you know, I, I was going to talk about this in the uh, uh, P&L statement next, but I, I think it's just kind of funny. It's not really a P&L statement kind of thing. But So you, if you're paying attention to the news uh, with the tariffs and all, uh, the tariffs that are, uh, you know, costing us thousands and millions of dollars here in South Dakota. Uh, Harley Davidson now says they're going to move uh, some of their production to Europe because the uh, import fees, the the tariffs, uh, will raise the cost of a motorcycle, a Harley Davidson quintessential American motorbike, will raise it to a couple couple grand if you live in Europe, and they're like, oh, that's not good. So what we're going to do is we're going to make them in Europe, sell them in Europe. And uh, obviously the president's all uh, upset about this, so he's tweeting at them like crazy today and uh, saying he's going to tax them, although it's it's not clear how they would tax them because they're making them in Europe to sell in Europe. They're not coming back here. Um, but this is obviously uh, pointed at uh, Mr. Ryan, the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, who is from Janesville right there by uh, I think it's Janesville right there by the uh, not so far from the big Milwaukee headquarters of said Harley Davidson. Uh, Paul Ryan said today that uh, uh, this is just proof that unilateral tariffs don't work. And uh, Senator Ben uh, Sassy, I think that's a sass, 
S-A-S-S-E, sassy Republican in Nebraska. This is what, and this is what I'm getting to because this is funny. He said, this will go over like a Vespa at Sturgis. <laughs> Which is a great line, if nothing else. I read that in the New York Times and it made me chuckle. I chuckled. Just the vision of a uh, Vespa cruising around at Sturgis, you know. Like, you know, some dude duck, decked out in the leathers, you know. Maybe uh, uh, got some hat on with horns on it, you know. Uh, maybe somebody in the back, scantily clad, cruising the streets in uh, Sturgis during the rally. That'd be great. That would be awesome. Somebody's got to do that. Maybe they have. You know, I I don't make it out to Sturgis, so I have not seen it up close and personal like. Anyway, that's a couple of things that are going on. We have a great show for you today. Our guest includes Sue Mollison. She is a Lincoln High School parent. They, they're they doing a big, uh, like, all classes Lincoln High School band reunion. And you people know I love me a little marching band. Uh, if you're here in the studio, uh, you can see behind me, picture of me in the USD marching band, circa 1980-whatever. And uh, so she's coming in, and she's going to talk about this event because Lincoln High School band, they got a thing going. They're, they're a thing. Uh, blogger Corey Heidelberger of Dakota Free Press will make his visit here on Tuesday, as he often does. Elizabeth Whaley, she is the big honcho over there at the Great Plains Zoo. They launched the, the brown bear exhibit this weekend. We'll find out how that's going. The Boon Man is the weird friend of the day. He's got something up his craw about uh, patio furniture and Bluetooth and milk, but I don't know if they're all related. And I will have a PL statement, the aforementioned PL statement just after the break. Today's topic conservatism in the time of Trump. Oh, you're going to want to stay close for that, right? This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 319 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Oh, yeah. Isn't that the ideal? Closer to free? Freedom. Freedom, baby. Individual liberty and freedom. Uh, that's what it's all about. And that's why we use the Bodines Closer to Free. Um, so today I'm looking through the news, you know, casting about. Casting about. There's, you know, there's uh, some big news locally in the um, finalization or the, the vote by the membership over there at uh, Good Samaritan Society, the Good Sam, which is a huge operation of uh, nursing facilities and nationwide based here in Sioux Falls. We all know that. Uh, and they are going to uh, merge, essentially, with Sanford Health, which is pretty big news uh, in that that will be a monstrous organization um, in the upper Midwest and across the country with something like 47,000 employees total. Uh, that's, that's a lot of people, okay? <laughs> That is a lot of people. And as we know, Sanford has uh, 9,000 odd people working here in the city. Uh, I think there's something like 1,000 uh, employees with um, Good Sam here in town. I could have I, that number maybe a little off. But it's going to make uh, uh, even more people working for Sanford and in healthcare. And healthcare is our number one employer in the city. So it, uh, with uh, Avera and uh, Sanford being the top two, and uh, with Good Sam and all the affiliated various healthcare workers in this community, it's a lot. It's a lot. So healthcare is a big deal for us 
And uh, that was announced today. So we'll see where that goes next. But uh, very interesting news there locally. Um, you know, I, is it good? Is it bad? Um, if, it's, if it means better health care, then I'm all for it, especially for the elderly. Uh, at, you know, elder care is huge. It's huge. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Very interesting development. But one thing that caught my eye today, I should say also the mayor is unveiling his capital plan today, uh, and that's happening like now-ish. So we'll have more on that later. Um, but this column by David Brooks, and I talk about David Brooks a lot because I love David Brooks. He's just a great writer and a great thinker, and uh, he is with the New York Times, of course. But he's got this column today, Republican or Conservative, You Have to Choose. And the lead of which is, the never-Trumpers are having an interesting debate over the question, is it time to leave the Republican Party? George Will and Steve Schmidt say yes. That was recently that the, the Trumpian rot is all the way down. Bill Kristol says not so fast. Once Donald Trump falls, the party could be brought back to health and the fight has to be within the party as well as without it. Um, so, uh, but he's, he's talking about, you know, what is conservatism? And that's why I, uh, I find it so fascinating and why I read David Brooks is because, well, he knows what he's talking about and he is extremely well-read and knowledgeable about uh, political philosophy, morals, values, and uh, community. And he talks a little bit about the history of conservatism and where it's based. Um, but it, what's interesting here is he, he's, he's uh, talking about the difference between liberalism, conservatism, and, and the roots of it. And this quote, there never was such a thing as an autonomous free individual who could gather with others to create order. Rather, individuals emerge out of families, communities, faiths, neighborhoods, and nations. The order comes first. Individual freedom is an artifact of that order. It's very interesting. And uh, the political upshot is that conservatives have always placed tremendous emphasis on the sacred place where individuals are formed, those, those communities, those faiths, those neighborhoods, those nations, families. And I think that that's, that's a, a you know, wonderful way to put it. Um, and there have been many uh, challenges to what he called the sacred space, First, the French Revolution, the abstract ideology that society could be reorganized from the top down. Then it was industrialization. Then it was the state in the form of communism, fascism, social democrats, and liberals tried to use the state to perform many functions previously done by the family, local civic organizations, and other players in the sacred space. Well, I mean, it's a fabulous column, and I'll, I'll, I'll get it up on the Twitter feed. It, it, it's on mine, and it's on my Facebook page, and I'm going to get it on the P. Lally Show Twitter feed because I think you should read it. Um, but when it comes down to it, uh, there, there's a couple other very interesting points here. And uh, one of the things he says here is that uh, Republican voters eventually rejected market fundamentalism. I'm sorry, market fundamentalism, um, which had dominated the Republican Party and went for the tribalism of Donald Trump because at least he gave them a sense of social belonging. The problem is he doesn't base his belongings on the bonds of affection conservatives hold dear. He doesn't respect and obey those institutions, traditions, and values that form morally decent individuals. His tribalism is the evil twin of community. It's a great line. His tribalism is the evil twin of community. It creates belonging, but on vicious grounds. I think that's, that's a lovely sentence there. Um, today you can be conservative or Republican, but you can't be both, which is, uh, you know, 
I hadn't thought about it that way in particular in those stark terms, but it, I can see that happening. But there's this other part in here that I think is even more interesting to me. He says, when I look at places that are successfully nurturing beautiful communities, which seem most conservative in the true sense, I find great pluralism. Burlington, Vermont is doing it, and so is Salt Lake City. I find beautiful communities in places that consider themselves deep blue and places that consider themselves deep red. And that that's the part that rang most true for me. Not the Trumpism so much, but the 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 idea of community. And I I like this column because it gives me some hope for life and government outside of partisanship, right? This is the Patrick Lally show is no talking points radio, right? I, I, I adhere to no party. I adhere to no partisan philosophy. This paragraph that paragraph about cities that displays conservatism based on community is wonderfully revealing. Because that's us, isn't it? That's Sioux Falls. We're pluralistic, but related and bonded through all the groups and affiliations that we participate in. We have problems, certainly. I talk about them all the time. But partisanship in our city is often second or third consideration. The great thing about following local government that we do here and the various spats that arise is that they're all solvable. They're not intractable positions without illumination. People do discuss and they do change and they do solve problems. That's because ultimately we do all know each other. You have to look at each other in the eye or at least we're willing to get to know each other. Brooks would call that individualism born of the sacred space and I'm good with that. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me, Patrick at KSO.com. Love to hear from you. Twitter feed, P. Lally Show. We're going to come right back after the news and weather and a chat with the Boone Man as he makes his way back from parts unknown. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Three thirty-four on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And I bring in now from parts unknown in the greater upper Midwest, the Boone Man. Boom man, uh, uh, where I, you're not here, are you? You're not in Sioux Falls. Where are you? I am not. I, I am on the road driving in um, the Twin Cities area right now. I am in Edina, yeah. Minnesota. It's lovely there, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is, but, you know, I'm going to tell you, do you know what Edina stands for? Money? Every day I need attention. <laughs> There are just pretentious people that live here that think they're so superior and they want you to know it and they know that you should know that they are superior to everyone. They need people to uh, be attentive to them. (laughs) Well, good thing you're there. Yeah, it is. To take care of them and their their struggle to be free. Yeah. (laughs) You know, driving... I'm driving around. There's a lot of traffic up here. Yeah. You know, people, people in Sioux Falls bellyache about the traffic, and it is not a joke to say rush minute because I'm, you know, I, there's a lot of times on Minnesota Avenue that I can look as far as I can see left and right and not see a car on the road. You know, yes, uh, on a weekday, Monday right. through Friday, during business, you know, noon it's you know the lunch hour. You know, probably eleven thirty to one thirty. It's crazy because people are going to lunch and rushing yeah. back and forth. You know, in the morning. But no, ten thirty in the morning, you could shoot a cannon down <laughs> Minnesota Avenue. You know, 
and that's the whole thing. Well, oh, they need to put a road through the country clubs. No, you know, just go a different way. Go on 12th Street or go on 41st Street or go on. You don't need that road. Oh, they should widen 26th Street. No, they don't need to for that five minutes a day when you need it. <laughs> that's right. Leave, leave 10 minutes earlier. There you go. And you know what? You know what else gets me about these people driving is get a Bluetooth. Yeah. They are so cheap. I'm talking to you right now on a pants-free, pants-free Bluetooth device. Mm-hmm. Most cars have them built in now, not the cars I drive. No. But, I mean, the cars that, that most people drive have it built in. Because I want you to, here's a little experiment for you yeah. and all your listeners. Yeah. Take your left hand mm-hmm. and take the palm of your left hand and put mm-hmm. it on the left side of your face. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it right now. Your peripheral vision to your left, you have none at all. Right. You can't see anything there. Right. You have to really turn your head, and then you can't see behind you. Same thing with your right hand. Right. Put the phone down. I don't have any problem with people talking on the phone and driving. Mm-hmm. Use a hands-free device so you're not blocking. You're intentionally blocking your vision. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not, you know what, they, that's like blinders on a horse, so they wouldn't get distracted. That's what they used to have on there. Yes. You're putting those on yourself. When you're driving. Well, while you're driving, yeah, it doesn't make any and sense. Get a get a Bluetooth. It's they're cheap. They work great. Don't wear it around. You know, when you're walking around the you know the mall. No, that's or when terrible. You look like a dork. <laughs> you know, and they're cheap. You get a really nice Plantronics. I would recommend. Yeah. Is, the, is the brand very nice Plantronics uh, Bluetooth device for twenty five bucks? Yeah, because you sound great. Yeah. See, there you go. You do sound that. better right now than you do on your office phone. To be, I mean, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So, no, there, there you go. So that's good. Anyway, that bugs me. Yeah. Um, what else is on your I, mind? I, well, I, again, when I'm out driving around, I noticed this the other day. Mm-hmm. What What constitutes outdoor furniture? Oh yeah. I. It's not. Um, you know, when we were kids, it was uh, some uh, aluminum tubing and some of that uh, plastic strapping. <laughs> but you know what I noticed the other day was that somebody had an upholstered couch and a barca lounger out in the yard. No. <laughs> It's furniture, and it was outdoors, but, I mean, can that be classified? Is there any kind of a law no. or a city ordinance that says you can't have a, a an upholstered couch and a lazy boy in the I, front yard? I, well, I think if you, like, uh, if you are living in, in certain neighborhoods, right? So if you have your couch and your Barco lounger out and you're uh, up in the old neighborhood up there, uh, you know, yeah. you might attract some attention. They'll be poking around and be like, oh, what kind of crack house is this? But if you yeah. have a, if you have the same sized furniture, only you bought it at a high end uh, retailer and you put it out in your lawn in a different part of town, that's just patio furniture. <laughs> well, but that, that's probably furniture that was intended to be outside. It's yes. not upholstered. And, you know, yeah. and that's, I think you can have just about any kind of furniture and make it outdoor furniture. It's just how long you can actually use it. Because yes, one good rainstorm on that, uh, on that velour couch. Yeah. That's that's gonna one. You're gonna have a funk when it when it starts drying out. Uh, college if there towns, wasn't one before. Go to a college you know. town. There's couches everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, and speaking of that, now my son and his roommates. Yeah. Here at the they all graduated this spring, yeah. and they brought out their couch from their house. Yeah. Oh. They brought that out to the ranch for a ceremonial couch burning. <laughs> we uh, we burned the couch. Uh, Did you shoot it. One, <laughs> Well, actually, <laughs> so what they wanted to do was throw a Molotov cocktail at it. Oh yeah. Well, well I had to explain to had to explain to the kids that 
the 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 part of the Molotov cocktail is the glass bottle breaking, yeah, and the explosion, gonna... and that's it's not going to break on the couch, yeah. So my suggestion was, so we douse the chair in lighter fluid. They wanted to use gas, but again, I had to explain to them, gasoline is just too explosive. So we'll soak it, and what you have to do is you have to soak it from underneath because the fabric oh on the God. couch is, is very flame retardant, right. but the insides aren't. Uh. So you soak the inside, and then you flip it over, mm-hmm. and uh, on the top between the cushions, you take a a quart mason jar, mm-hmm. and you put about an inch of lighter fluid in it. And then you crank down the top, and you nestle that in the cushions. Mm-hmm. Then you light the couch on fire, <laughs> and then uh, once the flames get going really good, that no. lighter fluid will no. start boiling in that no. mason jar. No. And then from a safe distance, <laughs> yeah. using a using a twenty two with a scope, you shoot that mason <laughs> jar, and kaboom! <laughs> My God, you're going to get a visit from the ATF. <laughs> that the... Oh, anyway, we didn't we oh, didn't man. do the we didn't do the mason jar thing, oh, but we man. did. The, I said no, that that probably isn't good. But they did ask, um, hey, do you have any guns that we can shoot? Yeah. And of course, uh, I said, okay, before you get into the beer, let's shoot some clay pigeons. Yeah. So we did that, and one of the kids who is from here, the People's Republic of Min- of Minnesota, yes, he was so excited. He said, when I was a kid, my mom and dad wouldn't even let me have a Nerf gun. <laughs> so you made, so tw- this was a special day for the Minnesota. Uh, the 12 gauge semi-automatic was a little step up from the Nerf gun. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a little knock on the door. Uh, yeah. Sir, uh, Mr. Boyum, uh, we're from the ATF, and uh, we need to just talk to you just a moment about something we heard from some parents of a kid. <laughs> That's going to be a nice visit. But I'm telling you, the only thing left of that couch were those little S-shaped springs from <laughs> the seat. That's fire. That was it. Everything else gone. Um, but the oh boys did take a little. They did take a small jar of ashes oh, as just a, a as a memento. That's good. That's yeah. a nice way to uh, uh, graduate to to mark yeah. your passage into true adulthood. Burn your couch. Good ceremonial couch burning. Oh, that's good. Yep. Can't do that anywhere. Just no. anywhere. No, you got to be out in the out in yeah. the uh, uh, in the country. Well, yeah, technically. Yeah. Hey, uh, do you, before I let you go, do you have a punchline for me, or you've been too busy I driving around? To I die? don't even get a punchline for you. But you know, the thing we need to talk about next week, though, milk. milk. I've got a serious beef with some people about milk. So we'll we'll talk about that next week, and I'll have a a milk related punchline for you. Well, that's that's awesome. Wait, it's, that's what in the business we like to call a tease. It's, it's uh, it'll, it keeps them coming back. You gotta leave it wanting more. <laughs> Boone man, uh, be careful. Okay, have a safe drive home, and we'll talk to you next week. Right on, brother. Yeah. Coming up after the break, we're gonna chat with Elizabeth Whaley of the Great Plains Zoo about the brown bears. It's gonna be fun. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Three forty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Man disappears one day, left his woman in the grave, nothing but a peg on the side. And I'm happy to have on the phone from the beautiful Great Plains Zoo and Delbridge Museum the president and CEO of said organization, Elizabeth Whaley. Elizabeth, thanks for taking a little bit of time for us today. Oh, thanks for chatting with me. It's such a pleasure. Um, so 
I wanted to get you on the line because you guys have a, a fabulous new exhibit out there, the Fortress of the Bears. Do I have that correct? Fortress of the Bears. The Fortress of the Bears, the name actually comes from an area of southeast Alaska, the ABC Islands, where there's the densest concentration of brown bears. So in addition to four cubs who are really lively and fun to watch, there's also this great storyline about Southeast Alaska and some of the art of Southeast Alaska, as well as that rich rainforest habitat that makes up a great place to be a bear. Yeah, so it, uh, the, the Fortress of the Bears opened this weekend, right? It did. We had the grand opening to the public on Saturday, and people were lined up all the way out to Kiwanis Avenue. We had some lovely people who uh, showed up, oh, very early in the morning and were camping out in their lawn chairs <laughs> waiting for the gates to open. So I appreciated that a lot. I was that excited, too. That's pretty awesome. So you've got the four uh, brown bear cubs, and uh, they're, I mean, they're just, bear cubs are, are just fun to watch, right? They really are. We've got some three-year-olds, which are pretty big cubs, and then we've got two one-year-old cubs. And in each case, these guys had to be rescued from the wild. Hmm. So it's a great story about how zoos and government officials come together to save wildlife and give these bears you know, a much better outcome than they would have had if they had stayed uh, where they were orphaned by their moms. So these, these bears uh, were in trouble, essentially. And uh, the, the zoo, uh, part, there's like some sort of worldwide program for uh, animal uh, uh, preservation. I don't know. I can't remember what the name of the program is. But is this part of that kind of, uh, uh, I don't want to call it rescue effort, but preservation of, of wildlife effort that you're involved with? Yeah. You know, zoos now, modern zoos, really are working to save animals from extinction and save animals in the wild and save the wild places where they live. So in this case, it's a little bit different than a lot of the work that we do. You know, we're very focused on saving endangered animals like rhinoceros and Amur tiger and snow leopards. But in this case, uh, bears, brown bears are of least concern in the wild. They're not facing extinction. They're just facing these human interactions that get the bears and the people in trouble. So in this case, it wasn't you know, our concern about breeding a healthy population of animals to go forward, it was making sure those animals that are in the wild are either in a good place in the wild or under human care. And so we're talking with Elizabeth Whaley. She's the president and CEO of the Great Plains Zoo and Delbridge Museum. Um, the, the, the bear, any sort of these exhibits, they take a, it takes a long time to go from conception to fruition, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. Um, the fun part of this exhibit, it, it took us more than three years to pull it all together. Uh, we use a zoo-specific architect that really understands people who visit, what they want to see, and what we, can, what we can create for them that's fascinating and fantastic for them to see. But also, how do we best care for the animals? And then how do we work for our zookeepers to give them the very best possible place to do their jobs? Um, and of course, funding is always a big part of it. So uh, this turned out to be about a $2.7 million project. We had 140 donors that came together and said, we want to invest in this project. We want to be part of this. And it really turned out to be a transformative exhibit change for our zoo. And so you have uh, been involved uh, over the last few years. There's been a lot of new exhibits. The Asian Cat Exhibit, 
uh, the uh, rhinos, which is cool, the, uh, the uh, snow monkeys. Uh, but now, uh, what's, you know, so now you got bears, all right? <laughs> so right. W- you only have so much room, but what's next for the Great Plains Zoo and Museum? You know, we have 45 acres here, um, much of which you don't see because um, we run, you know, a full-service hospital for more than 1,000 animals. We care for those 1,000 animals that reflect about 150 species. And so there's our veterinary hospital and other areas of the campus that you just don't see because they're service areas for the animals. We have a, a large commissary where we prepare 175 tons of food for the animals every year. Um, but we do have good space. Um, within the zoo to continue expanding and enhancing what we already have here. Um, So next up is lions, and we're just in the beginning phases of raising money for a lion exhibit that will bring us a pride of up to 12, you know, 10 or 12 animals, including cubs. And in that case, it really does support healthy populations of animals that we're worried are going to be extinct in the wild even by 2030 or 2040. So when we think about our kids, if we want them to see a lion other than on an iPad or whatever technology it is by 2040, um, we really want them to have that opportunity here in person at the zoo and then to fall in love with those animals and care about them and help us save them in the wild. And uh, I'm pretty sure, now when did you uh, take your current position at the zoo? It's been, it's been a little while now, I remember it, but it's been a while. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been almost 13 years. Wow. And I, was it like the first or second day when somebody said, when are you bringing lions back? Um, people really do <laughs> ask a lot about lions. If, if you remember 13 years ago, I think the question was, will we still have a zoo? The yeah. question at that point was, um, you know, are we going to keep our zoo open? And so many people throughout our community said, we want to have a great zoo. And we've moved briskly through this plan of improvements to, to have a great zoo. And we all kind of smile when we say it, but our last project before Bears, the Snow Monkey Exhibit, actually won the top honors in exhibit design from the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. So we're all very proud to have a national award-winning exhibit right here in Sioux Falls at our zoo. That's pretty cool. And the Brown Bear Exhibit, the Fortress of the Bears, is open And you can see it now at the Great Plains Zoo and Delbridge Museum. Elizabeth Whaley, thank you very much for taking a little bit of time for us today. And we'll we'll chat soon about lions. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. Coming up after the news and weather, we will chat with Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press blog and uh, get his perspective from the left side of the aisle. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public announcement with guitar know your right. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show Information 1000 KSOO I just saw a uh, picture posted by the National Weather Service the Goodyear blimp was flying by how about that meanwhile back on the ground Moonlight Movies is this Saturday. Free outdoor movie at Faywick Park. Movie starts at dusk. Bring a lawn chair or blanket. Refreshments will be available for purchase. This week's movie is Despicable Me 3. Yeah! 
For more information, go to the event calendar at kswo.com. Coming up after the news and weather at the top of the hour, we'll talk to Corey Heidelberger of Dakota Free Press blog about politics. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh five on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and it's uh, Tuesday, so that means we usually chat with Mr. Corey Heidelberger from the upper northeast corner of South Dakota and the grand hub city of Aberdeen. And today is no different. Corey Heidelberger, DakotaFreePress.com. How are you, buddy? I'm great, Patrick. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. Uh, Good. So uh, we always talk about politics. Corey, uh, of course, comes from, uh, looks at the world from the uh, left side of the, the political spectrum, which is fair to say, way over there on the left, right? Way just, uh, so far. If so, you're in South Dakota, I'm probably to your left. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If you were in Berkeley, probably right down the middle. Um, <laughs> Somewhere there, yes. I think that's right. Uh, we always, you know, I like to set the stage here. and uh, But I'm reading uh, Corey's blog, which is one of the finer, political blogs in the state of South Dakota. Probably, well, it's one of two or three of the most active blogs, to be sure. And uh, Corey spends a lot of time and effort paying attention to what's going on. And one of the things that I read on your blog today, Corey, was about this uh, Sioux Falls Unite, which is kind of an interesting deal. Uh, It's a bunch of Sioux Falls area candidates, Democrats trying to get together to uh, pool resources or something. What's going on there? Well, yeah, you've got in, in, in the greater Sioux Falls metro area, or the Minilink area, Minnehaha and Lincoln County, you've got nine overlapping, or nine legislative districts that overlap the Sioux Falls area. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's, that's 27, or well, that's, that's uh, yeah, that's 18 seats in the House, that's mm-hmm. uh, nine seats in the legislature, that's 27 legislators who are getting elected pretty much from your area. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in every one of those, there's a contested campaign for both House and Senate. You've got Democratic candidates, Republican candidates. I think there's one independent even, although that's Pete Klebanoff, and he's, he's a Democrat, but he filed as an independent, but he's one of our guys. Um, and the Democratic candidates in that region, in all those districts, have decided there's maybe some strength in numbers. So I just got the press release from them today saying they're going to have an event Thursday, and they're calling themselves Sioux Falls Unite, basically an effort of Sioux Falls area legislative candidates to help each other campaign and get the word out about what they want to do in Pierre. Which is kind of interesting, and, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I when I saw that on your blog, I thought to myself, well, that seems like they're kind of admitting to some degree that they need to help themselves more than they're going to get help from their party. I, you know what I mean? Because the Democrat party in South Dakota sometimes, sometimes is not as uh, organized or uh, financed as well as your Republican brethren. So I I can certainly grant that sometimes statement. That's correct. (laughs) The, The South Dakota Democratic party is not a font of gold coins pouring down on we candidates. Um, <laughs> no, of, you, of which, and we haven't, we don't mention this very often. You are on the ballot in November, full disclosure. Yeah, I'm, I'm running up here in District 3 in Aberdeen, sure. Outside of our broadcast area, primarily. Right, um, right, so, pretty much. So, 
so they're going to raise some money. They're having this event. Uh, uh, there's some bands playing, big party for these Democrats. So is it just a fundraiser or is it something more in terms of organization, do you think? You know, I, I don't speak from any inside knowledge on this. Mm-hmm. Let me be clear about that. I can, as a campaigner, I can certainly look at this and say, hey, it's just a good idea of combining forces. We did something similar up here in Aberdeen a couple, oh, uh, in, uh, toward the end of May, a few weeks ago now, where we had a fundraiser for all of the candidates, you know, the Democratic candidates, in Brown County. Hmm. And we basically had our county candidates, county commission candidates and other offices had our district two candidates and our district three candidates because we've got a couple of uh, legislative districts up here and we all spoke and you know shook hands and this and that and so it was just a way to have an event have more people there and hopefully raise more money i can see the same thing with this event if you know if 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 let's say one one of the candidates who spoke was uh, scott peterson from district 12 mm-hmm. um he was in the press release and actually, Pete Klebanoff and, and Jeff Hayward, uh, Pete Klebanoff from 25, Jeff Hayward from 12, and others. If Scott Peterson alone said, I want to rent out the icon, have three bands over, and have a fundraiser for my campaign, mm-hmm. well, that's great. He can do that. But it might cost a lot to get three bands to perform and organize that and get the icon lounge and this and that. If you have an event where you say, hey, let's have all of our legislative candidates get together that might be an opportunity, an event that can, you can you can have more bands, you can draw more people, you can all maybe chip in to rent the same hall, uh, you know that sort of thing. I think it just it makes some campaign sense. You get a bunch of friends together, people with a common interest. That might be a, a way to have a bigger, more mm-hmm. effective event, and yeah. you reach more people with it. Yeah, uh, the icons uh, run by the Wylands, so they probably got a deal on the. Uh... And, and well, yeah, nothing wrong with getting a deal, you know. It, although even there, hey, if I'm getting the haul for free, I'd still rather split free among ten friends That's than right. split free among myself. It's it, still, you know, the more the merrier. I'd like to say an in-kind contribution. Um, the uh, that's it, I thought that was an interesting approach. It makes a lot of sense. Um, but what? Tell me about the state of the Democratic Party these days, because it's been a tough go here, tough stretch for Democrats. Mm-hmm. How well? Uh, what's what's the infrastructure look like right now for this campaign in terms of state races uh, for, uh, I mean, the, the little stuff, uh, uh, email lists and uh, fundraising apparatus and volunteers and some of that uh, GOTV get out the vote effort on the ground that's so important. Is, is that changed at all? Is the arrow going up? Is the arrow going down? Is it flat? What's it like right now? I can tell you this in terms of, you know, what, what the state party offers, and this, this is no secret, you know, they've been offering this this year all along. They've had a number of training events, both, you know, at events like McGovern Day and Convention in Sioux Falls, but they've done the traveling roadshow. They've gotten out to provide candidates with materials about, you know, helping them understand campaign finance law, helping them understand how to use something called Vote Builder. And, you know, both the parties have stuff like this, mm-hmm. but the voter list, the contact list, the things like that, that help them put together their walk, their door knocking plans. What doors are we going to knock on? Who are we going to call? What, you know, who are we going to reach out to? And there's, you know, there's some data in those programs that helps them do some targeting. You know, maybe if they have a message they want to target, just, you know, died in the wool Democrats or some get out the vote, that program provides that information. If they want to target independents, you know, the persuadable voters, 
that program helps give that information. So that's that's one example of the support the party's able to make available. You know, candidates still have to chip in some money, but the, what they do is it's a cooperative thing. If candidates do some work on that list, you know, adding data that they collect as they go around town, the state reimburses them for the cost of it. Hmm. So, I mean, that's one example of things the state party does do. Does the state party have a million dollars to give each candidate? No, that's not there. Candidates still have to do the heavy lifting on that. So, uh, from your, you've been a candidate and you've been a watcher many times. Do you mm-hmm. feel like uh, the Democratic Party, uh, honestly, is it is it getting better because it was kind of in shambles there for a while? My, well, I, from a candidate perspective, mm-hmm. I only have two swings to look at it, so mm-hmm. I don't know if two are enough to give a trend. Mm-hmm. Um, I do get the impression that at least you know coming into this election. The Democratic Party has gotten better. They recruited more candidates. They, they had some more of these trainings around the state. I see, you know, signs of an upward trend. But I'll admit, and this is just personal, and I apologize to viewers for indulging in my own personal experience. I'm a Democrat, but I'm still kind of an independent guy. And so in the 2016 campaign, I just kind of said, hey, if the party can help, great. But I'm still counting on doing most of this myself. Off Mm -hmm. we go. The party did provide some assistance, but I just still kind of ran my own thing. And that's the same thing this year. I'm not banking on, you know, an organization holding my hand through the entire campaign season. I will take any help I can get, but I'm still planning on, you know, calling and writing Mm -hmm. and contacting Mm -hmm. people and doing doing most of the work myself. That's interesting. Uh, We're going to come right back and talk more with Corey Heidelberger of Dakota Free Press free press blog. I've been struggling with that all day, and we will chat more about politics, maybe talk a little Billy Sutton. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 419 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Well, I ain't your baby, I ain't your baby and we continue our conversation with Corey Heidelberger of the Dakota Free Press. Man, Corey, I have been massacring that all day. It's, da- da- it's Dakota Free Press. DakotaFreePress.com. It's, it's not that hard, man. It's just not that hard. DakotaFreePress.com. Um, it rolls off the tongue, reflecting its beauty and truth. Yeah, and then it gets kind of caught in my cheeks. But <laughs> my, my flapping jaws. Um uh, talking politics with Corey, uh, because that's what he writes about primarily up there in Aberdeen. Um, the The other interesting thing I read on your blog was uh, a uh, some news of a push poll. Um, and I thought this was interesting first because it's June and the push poll seemed to be uh, targeting uh, Billy Sutton, Democrat candidate for governor. Um, first of all, what's a push poll, Corey? Oh, a, a push poll isn't really a poll. A poll is where you, you know, go get a random sample of, you know, a few hundred people and try to find out what they actually believe. And then you use that information to say, oh, 52% of South Dakotans want ice cream for supper, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. A push poll pretends to be a poll. It asks people questions about what they think, but it's, it's, the questions are really phrased to test people's thinking and, and to change people's thinking. So, for instance, they'll, you know, the, a push poll might say, did you know that Patrick, ba- Patrick Lally picks his nose? Uh, my apologies. That's uh, okay. I don't really want to know if people know that. 
I really want to make people think that's it. A push poll is an excuse to make people think bad things about somebody so they won't vote against him or so they won't vote for him come November. It, it has a uh, it's meant to uh, drive down somebody's favorables. That's one thing yep. that it can do pretty well. Um, so the uh, this one in particular was uh, against Billy Sutton. And I, I thought this this question, as you pointed out, uh, was was really kind of bizarre uh, because it didn't the question itself didn't really make any sense. Um, and I've seen push polls before, but usually they make they got some basis of, you know, you can see where they're going. This one was sure. so now, weird. It was just twisted up. Well, and now fair warning. This is someone who, you know, they, they transcribe. You get these push polls on your phone. You aren't yep. sitting there typing everything in. So right. this is what a, a source described to me. They said the question was, did you know that Billy didn't vote yes to veto a section of a bill to support giving support to illegal immigrants? Yeah. It was and then bizarre. they and then they ask, does this make you not want to support him more, not support him less, or lessen your positive support? Like something got fouled up in that. But the idea there is, uh, they're maybe not even concerned about the nature of the question. They just want to say something about Billy Sutton and illegal immigrants and plant some uncertainty in people's heads. Or similarly, another question a person reported to me was, they asked. Did you know that Billy Sutton supported a 67% pay raise for himself? Yes. And that's, that's Which is false. Make... He didn't, but that's the idea. You just say bad things about the person that you're allegedly polling to either, you know, make the person, not, the person on the phone not want to vote for that character or just depress the vote, make them think, oh, Billy did bad things. Well, I'm not going to show up and vote. Mm-hmm. And the, we don't know who is doing this push polling. I mean, you, you never really know. Um, right. And multiple people that I've you know heard from online have, have said they've gotten this poll. And that's the same thing. They, they, they would stop and ask, who's backing this? Mm-hmm. And the, the push poller wouldn't say. Um, and and they don't have to, supposedly, because state law has this little provision that says, as long as you're doing a poll, you don't have to do the usual disclaimers for this communication. Interesting, because if you are paying if you're somehow skewing the poll if you know who it is i suppose that's the philosophy behind it but it's an odd thing when it becomes push polling which isn't as you mentioned not really polling right Um, and there's you know one could try to test it in court and say well this isn't really a poll under the definition of statute so let's go get them and i you know the poll the the statute exists so that gallup or you know so kso mm -hmm. or kello or whoever so they could actually do a poll and say hey do you support billy sutton or christy gnome da 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 um, so I can understand where the statute comes from, but we've seen this in other polls too. These polling outfits come and the questions sound hinky. You try to find out, find out who it is and they just get crabby with you. Yeah. So it's June. Why would push polling, why would it start so early? It seems really early for something like that, isn't it? Well, one would think, I mean, it's, it's summertime. And as Dennis Dugard said once, when he won a primary, we're not doing politics in June. Everybody's going to the lake. And I'm, I kind of like that philosophy. I wouldn't <laughs> mind if everybody just went to the lake. I'd write poems all summer. Um, <laughs> but the, the conventional wisdom would be, holy cow, if you're doing push polling already, you must be really gearing up to throw some negative stuff at your opponent. And the only reason to be gearing up for that now you know, because push polling only produces negative stuff. It doesn't produce you positive stuff about how to market yourself. It produces negative stuff about how to slam your opponent. Mm-hmm. And the only reason you do that is because you anticipate a hard-fought battle 
which, of course, we Democrats look at and go, oh, nice to know you care. You must be scared of Billy. <laughs> yeah. But now we don't know that it's that it's Christy Noem. I mean, we don't know that it's necessarily the candidate, right? Or her, right. her it, campaign. It, it could be any, you know, just like Dusty Johnson had a, oh, who, well, he didn't have them, but there mm-hmm. was that pack that came out doing cards on Chantel Krebs. And they're supposedly, you know, they're an out-of-state pack. They're from, I don't know if it was from Washington or whatever, but they, oh, no, no, we're not associated with the Johnson campaign. It could well be a third party that's just looking at South Dakota and going, let's make sure they don't get a Democratic governor. Let's make sure that the Republican wins in that race. So it could be independent, but it's clear it's meant to gather dirt to throw at Billy when the time comes. Yeah, and if you uh, can judge by that, you'll see uh, the topics are of probably more interest than anything because it was... It was what immigration and uh, the the legislative pay raise. So yeah, uh, and we saw and that the used legislative against- pay raise. I mean, I've certainly heard things. You know, when that was going on this this winter, there were a lot of people on various sides of the political spectrum who were mad about that. So mm-hmm. I mean, they've got something there. If they want to get voters quickly riled up, I can I can tell you without a push poll, the pay raise bill would be a good thing to bring up. Yeah, and it was used against uh, uh, Chantel Krebs, right? Yes. Yes. So Although, that's and they, they, yeah, they used it even on one that didn't pass a yeah. way back when vote when she was in the legislature and thought that was a good message. So mm-hmm. sure, anticipate that being recycled. That's why we pay our legislators, what, $6,000 or whatever it is, some ungodly low number, because you, you, you'll always get used against you no matter what. Right. But they should also note that if they recycle that, that attack in the fall... As I noted on the blog this morning, A, Sutton wasn't in the, ho- in the chamber for the, cha- the committee vote. Mm-hmm. He voted against the pay raise on the Senate floor. And even if he had voted for it, the pay raise didn't apply to him because he was term limited and the pay raise doesn't kick in until next year. Right. Corey Heidelberger, he is a blogger up at dakotafreepress.com. And uh, we have him on the show every Tuesday to talk politics. Corey, thank you very much. Hey, thanks for the time. Have a great day, Sioux Falls. Coming up after the news and weather, we'll chat with Sue Mollison and Sam Anderson. They are both involved in a effort to have a Lincoln High School band reunion. We're gonna we're gonna go right from topic A, politics, to topic B, marching band. Good times. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Jesus don't cry. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I am very pleased to have in studio with us today, Sue Mollison and Sam Anderson. They are involved in the Sioux Falls Lincoln High School all-year band reunion. All-year meaning anybody that's ever been in the Lincoln High School band, getting getting the old band back together. Sam and Sue, thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So uh, where does this idea come from? I mean, we hear about all school reunions and that kind of thing, but an all band reunion, that's uh, that's pretty aggressive, isn't it? Oh, it could be. Yeah, the Lincoln Band has a long history of excellence, and we just wanted to tap into that and help uh, alumni to, to feel a part of the group even as it is today. You just want everybody to feel special, right? <laughs> we like people to feel special. Um, yeah. you, you talked about Lincoln having a long history of excellence. Uh, so... Uh, I am a, a proud graduate of the O'Gorman High School Band, uh, 1983. And uh, so we didn't uh, have like this notion of the modern marching band until late in my career. But it, Lincoln was probably the first school in the city 
to develop this idea of what we now consider sort of the modern competitive marching band. Um, when did that happen? Do you, do you know some of that history, Sam? Yeah, I think uh, Dave Haugen, when he was band director, uh, kicked off a lot of that. Um, kind of in the, the late 70s, I would say, uh, is when he really took that band and, and started to travel with, with them and, uh, and kind of take on what they called the core style, like mm-hmm. drum core style. And even since then, uh, the activity has continued to evolve immensely. I mean, people who haven't seen a marching band for many years now will look at it and say, wow, you know, there's electronics, there's microphones, there's more theatrics. Uh, but it's just the, the way the activity has evolved. It's kind of fun to, to see it change through the years. And so you've got a, a pretty deep well of Lincoln High School band alumni out there. Uh, so what what's going to happen here? How does this... A lot of people. I mean, what what, do you, what are your expectations, Sue, for bringing all these people together? That's a good question. Um, I think, first of all, to me, it's a celebration. And it's a celebration not just of the excellence of the band, but also, I think, what we've all experienced through the band. I think almost all of us can point um, to band as it being a life-changing experience. And to me, that's worth celebrating. So what, what's your band experience, and why are, what's your hook here, Sue? How are you involved? I know Sam, we should say, Sam Anderson is assistant director of the Lincoln High School that's right. Band. So that's and your an alumni. And an alumni, so we know that. Mm-hmm. Sue, what's yours? Um, I was alumni in the mid-'80s. I graduated in 87. And now having a daughter having gone through the program and seeing how the excellence has continued was just really inspiring to me. When you watch it today, like – if I watch a band, high school band today, compared to what we were doing, and I should say Jim Smith, who came to O'Gorman, was a, was a great proponent of the core style and brought that there. Um, but I was there during his first year. When I think about what we did then versus even uh, the O'Gorman band or any of the high school bands, I'm just blown away. Mm-hmm. When you look at it, having gone, been in that style and at Lincoln during that period, and compare it to now, what, what differences do you see? Well, um, I was in color guard, yeah. and I was a color guard captain. And at that point, I helped create the routines. Mm-hmm. And they were pretty basic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were Left, right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was about precision. Yeah. And so, you know, at count one, your flag should be here. At two, it should be there. Mm-hmm. At three, it should be there. And now I think there's, like Sam said, there's it's more theatrics. It's interpretive dance out there. It is. It is. <laughs> it's pretty it wild. Is. And and I'm amazed because I could have never done that. I you know for me it was about the the power and the precision and the snap, and now it's um, sometimes it's elegant, sometimes it's gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just blown away because it's it's truly like a production, even more than what it was then. Yeah. Now. And you had one flag and you used it all year. <laughs> <laughs> we were really excited. At, um, I think it was my junior year. We had double-ended flags. Oh. We, were, we were amazing. <laughs> yeah. You can make this sort of, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, in my day at the, at the University of South Dakota, uh, those flags were weapons because mm-hmm. I was a tuba player. And so, but that's a, whole, that's a story that we don't want to tell on the radio. Um, but uh, you talked about band as being kind of a transformational experience. Is it, what's it like for uh, 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 the high school kids these days, Sam, uh, in terms of that band experience? Because it's, 
it's pretty rigorous, isn't it? It is, yeah, and it's it's very physical. Kind of as as we're talking about how it's evolved, it's it, we tell the kids expect to sweat. You're musical mm-hmm. athletes, and you know it used to be mostly the color guard carrying that that visual weight, um, but now even the the wind players, brass and percussion and woodwinds, have to do a lot of that visual stuff. So uh, so that's a. An, a kind of a newer aspect to the activity, even when I was in the band. When were you in the band? Yep, 1998, and then graduated in 02. So even then, we pretty much marched and played. I have a memory my freshman year of the first, like, I guess you could call it, like, body work. Like, we, you know, the horns went up and down mm-hmm. and to the side. Woohoo! Now, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And now we're, you know, 20 years later, and it's, uh, we literally just a couple weeks ago brought in this, like, a dance coach, basically, working with, with the students on all this and learning how to move and how to act, um, so that's that's one of the things, but but something that's neat that hasn't changed is just that the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. You know, students come in and you know they're doing band for weeks before school even mm-hmm. starts. And this is my experience, and I know countless other students. You already know a lot of people going into high school, uh, and a lot of these times, these people stay your friends mm-hmm. for years and years and years. Um, so it's something to belong to. Uh, it's something to push you toward excellence, toward so many other life skills. I mean, just learning to show up on time, learning to work hard, respect authority, work as a team. Um, just some some of those things are really my favorite things about the activity. Yeah, without smashing somebody else with your head. No, that's <laughs> I love my friends in the football. Oh, yeah. uh, we're going to come right back and talk with Sue Mollison and Sam Anderson. They're involved in the Lincoln High School Band All-Year Reunion that's coming up in August. And we'll get more of the details, so hang in there, and you can find out more. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 445 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we return to our conversation about band with Sue Mollison and Sam Anderson. Sam is the assistant director and alumnus from the Lincoln High School Marching Band, and Sue is also an alum from the band, and is they are both involved in organizing the Lincoln High School all-year all band reunion, that means everybody who was ever in the band, right? If you were in the band for like, what, a year, you can come? Yeah. Anybody. You got it. <laughs> Including about, parents. Yeah, cool. All right on. How about people who just like bands? They could come That's out. Be Why, a little, not? <laughs> <laughs> Why not? That might be a little weird. Uh, if they get a ticket, we'll let them in. Yeah, there that's right. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, this is a, a, a big event, um, and you can get tickets. Uh, it's on Eventbrite, and I'm I'm – Desperately trying to find it here on Eventbrite, and I will find it, and I'll share it on our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show if you want more information on that. But give us the details of this thing. So it's it's in August. When is it in August? Yep, uh, Friday, August tenth is it's kind of a two day thing in, in a way. So it starts uh, about seven p.m. Uh, Friday, August tenth at the um, LHS cafeteria. So just come on out there. Um, you can register on site, but or or you can register ahead of time. Um, and then um, it's totally optional, but if you want to rehearse in preparation for uh, performance with the current students, yeah. uh, we'll do some of that rehearsing that uh, <laughs> Friday night as well. Just bring your own instrument or, or you know, if it's color guard, uh, we'll have a few flags available. Um, and so we'll have that rehearsal led by... <laughs> wait a minute, oh, wait a minute. Ahead. How about bring your own flag? You know what I'm saying? Oh, bring man. your own colors? <laughs> that would be... Everybody's got to bring their own instrument. You're going to have to... Maybe we better no. be careful with that one. <laughs> Sue, Sue's not thinking that's such a good idea. That's, that's, okay. Right. that's okay. Bring your own instrument. Uh, or if you need to borrow something, just let us know. Um, anyway, and so that rehearsal that evening will be led by other former head directors, Bob Carlson and Dave Haugen. Uh, so that'll be kind of neat. Uh, just practicing school song and America the Beautiful. Uh, and then the next day, that Saturday, uh, it'll actually be out at the Harrisburg High School Stadium. 
Um, so the, the current students will perform first, and then uh, toward the end we'll invite alumni who want to come up and perform with us. Those two songs uh, should be a neat event. <laughs> so you're going to have uh, all these folks out there in Harrisburg. Mm -hmm. Careful, Harrisburg. The band's coming. <laughs> um, it's okay. I'm with the band. Uh, <laughs> the... Uh, uh, so everybody that's in this thing is going to come out to Harrisburg. And then the current Lincoln High School band is going to perform. Is it going to march? They're going to do a show? What are they going to do? Uh, it'll be a standstill performance. And uh, I'll talk a little about that. We call it Breakfast with the Band. And oh, about 10, 12 years ago, it started with just a, an open rehearsal. Hey, if anyone wants to come out and just watch what we've been working on, come on out. And through the years, it's grown. And someone's like, hey, let's get coffee and donuts. And it's just grown and grown and grown. And usually about 1,000 people come. So uh, well, That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's, uh, you know, a lot of current families, um, but then also other people just want to come check it out. So it's kind of a, a first preview. Now, you're talking about parents a little bit, and we're here with Sue Mollison and Sam Anderson from the Lincoln High School Band. Uh, it's it's a lot of work for the kids, but you, you drag all the parents along with you too, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we the band could not function without the parent and family support that we have, and that's been consistent since day one. Um, I was talking to an alumnus who was literally in the first color guard and they made their own gauchos wow. <laughs> and flags and silk shirts. And that has just continued. Um, when I was there, our, our big prop was this giant rainbow that we unfolded on. I, I, don't, I, <laughs> I don't know what kind of mechanism it was on, you know, but it was, it, there was this the pinnacle of the show was just phenomenal. And do now, you remember the music? Oh, no. my, my alumni friends are going to. Yeah. Well, that, you were, you <laughs> see, there you go. <laughs> you were, as we used to call it, a flag girl. Ooh. Oh, Ouch. Oh, <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> oh, but, and, and you know, that has continued. Um, the, the band parent association, if I can say in many ways is the backbone of the band Oh yeah, because they yeah, volunteer right. for everything, whether they're chaperones, God bless them or sewing things still for color guard or um, fundraising. Um, I could go on and on. It's, it's uh, actually difficult at this point to get in the band. I mean, you, not everybody gets in, right? So well, we, we have a spot for everyone. Um, there are a few of the sections that are auditioned, you know, um, some of the percussion spots and, and color guard is auditioned. Um, but, but we, we find a spot for everyone. So anyone who signs up and is willing to commit, mm -hmm. uh, it's a huge commitment, and we try yeah. to really spell that out um, because it, it really hurts the group if someone says they're going to be in and then quits and leaves that spot open. Right. Uh, but, yeah, it's a major commitment, but we, we always tell them, trust us, it's worth it. We, had, we have a 95% retention rate. 95% of the kids who do it do it again the next year. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, and you start in ninth grade, right? Yep. Right when you come in? That's right. So what? that's got to be a tough transition for a eighth grader out of middle school somewhere and and all of a sudden they got to be in this band and yeah. there's all these rules and uh how do you uh, uh let me how, how do i phrase this delicately help them understand the value of discipline and hard work that's a great question yeah um i i think it helps a lot to have such a long history of excellence uh and so so many of the kids coming in you know we tell them verbally but then they start to experience that right away we we do a couple new member events and they see those veterans like okay we call them to attention boom you know, they're, they're not talking, they're not moving. Um, and, okay, I guess that's what everyone's doing, so that's what I'll do. And they just kind of get, um, just become a part of it right away, and they love that discipline. Uh, it's something, you know, there's not that many other places I can think of where there's that much discipline, and people love it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's right. And it, you do kind of feed on it, that the notion of uh, performance, too. Ultimately, having this... 
in front of all these people at you know a football game. That's where you do a lot of the big, but they travel and do the performances and the competitions, and that's become such a big part of it that it's you know one wrong move, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pressure in that. Yeah. Uh, how do how do kids when they're you know uh, 13, 14, 15, how do they deal with that? Yeah, I, I would agree. There, there is a lot of pressure, um, but you know, I tell them you're going to make mistakes. I mean, there's never going to be a perfect show. And that's part of performing. I mean, no live performance of any kind is ever perfect. Um, You just recover as quickly as you can. And that's why we rehearse so much. We do so many reps, so it's almost muscle memory. Uh, And touching on that performance aspect, um, that's one of the, the, the highlights for students and for us as directors and even for parents, just when it all comes together under the lights. Uh, in these last few years, we've kind of stepped up and we've gone even further. We've uh, gone to St. Louis the last few days. Yeah, that's been a big, few years. Yeah, it's been a big trip the last few years. I know a lot of parents who have, you know, <laughs> headed down. What, yeah. On that weekend when you guys go, a lot of people I know are gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. It's a, it's a big deal. Um, so it's called the Bands of America. It's a super regional, 64 bands from like 14 states. Um, and so we're competing against groups that are way bigger than us, which we're not always used to. Uh, and frankly, a lot of groups that are at a, at a whole nother level. And it's, that's really pushed our program to get better. Yeah. How many kids are in the band these days? Uh, about 230 this year. That's a yeah. lot of kids. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. That's got to be hard on your nerves, Sam. Uh, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Uh, but we have just absolutely wonderful students. We really do. I want to give them all the credit they, they deserve. Uh, they work hard. They take pride in what they do. Uh, and they're great to work with. Um, the event is coming up in August. Give me the dates again. August, uh, 10, August 10, sorry, 10 August 11. 10. And, uh, I did get the link up on, uh, our Twitter feed at P Lally show. If you want more information, um, if you're a Lincoln band alum, if you know an alum, if you are a parent, any connection to Lincoln band, if you just like bands, I guess, <laughs> which is fine with me, uh, you can go, uh, Sam Anderson, he's assistant director of the Lincoln high school band and Sue Mollison is a. Uh, band parent alumnist organizing the big reunion. You guys, thanks a lot for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Have a blast, okay? We sure will. Yeah, we will. Coming up after this, we'll finish up the show and tell you what's happening tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Coming up, this is uh, tomorrow, Wednesday. Macrossan Golf Classic and Appreciation Barbecue. It's at noon out at the Elmwood Golf Course. It's a benefit for Macrossan Boys Ranch. A day filled with friendly game of golf, fun games, and prizes. Following the event will be the Appreciation Barbecue at the ranch at Macrossan. The barbecue will feature ranch-cooked food, wagon rides, tours, and the always popular, and more. For more information on that or anything else going on in the greater Sioux Empire area, go to the events calendar at ksoo.com. Got a big show coming up for you tomorrow. We will discuss the privacy of your data and how to protect it with David Hill of Sanford Health. We'll talk about patient data in particular, but all kinds of data. Scott Hudson is our weird friend of the day, and uh, I know he's got some big, big news for you people that you're going to want to tune in for. Blogger Pat Powers at DakotaWarCollege.com will recap the Republican Party State Convention, and we'll just have a grand old time with the grand old party. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Save us.